Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Brian. Good afternoon, RJ. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while. I it's been a while. It's been a while. I haven't I haven't sat in front of this microphone to talk about music and controversial pins and fish and CBD in so long. I've almost forgotten how to do it. But we'll see. Maybe today I can do it. Well, I don't know. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get back to it. We are here. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. We um, we are a podcast about the band Fish um, from Vermont originally, now Fish of the World. Um, we are gonna talk about summer 2022, and we had a we had a sort of like the you know the the playoffs, Brian. When you you have your starting pitcher 
all set up for game one of the NLDS. And then, you know, they come down with something. And that happened to us today. But luckily, we didn't have to bring in a reliever or, or anyone to start. We didn't have to switch things around and bring in our right fielder to to pitch. We brought in, we're going to bring in another pitcher, Mr. Ryan Storm. We somehow made things work out where we could trade for a pitcher before game one of the playoffs. I don't know how it happens. He's from a different team, but uh, there's yeah, no, yeah, there's no trade deadline. It's, it's pretty cool. There's no players association to deal with. It's just uh, just a couple of us here. But anyway, Ryan's going to join us in a minute. Um, Brian, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. We we had a really busy summer. Uh, we covered a lot of fish. We listened to a lot of fish. I spent a lot of August uh, traveling. Went back to the Midwest. We did an event. I saw some fish at Alpine. Came back. I had like a four-week blitz of my wife's birthday, our anniversary, Dick's, my son's birthday, and now I'm like coasting for about three weeks. So I, I feel like I've, I feel like I, everything went crazy for like four or five weeks, and now things are calmed down, and I can like actually sit down and listen to new albums, and I can watch a baseball game again. It's all really good right now. That's great. Do you feel like a stranger to this podcast? A little bit. I'm like, yeah. hey, old friend, we hung out for a yeah. while, but then we, you know, parted ways and now we're trying to figure ourselves out again. How, how are you? I know you've had a crazy couple of weeks. Yeah. Ago. I wonder if it's, I wonder if most people are feeling this way. We had a, I had a 12, 11 or 12 day trip with my family. We went up to uh, New Jersey, then New Hampshire, then Boston and flew from Boston to Portland, Oregon, spent a week there for my brother-in-law's wedding. And, um, it was great, but we got back Monday night, and then Tuesday morning, my it was my oldest daughter's birthday, and then the same day, she started fourth grade, and our twins started kindergarten, so we got them all on the same bus for the first time, and then had a birthday party last night, and now it's like the first regular day, except we're going to see Pearl Jam tonight. Oh my God, that's going to be incredible. Yeah. That's it. I buried the lead. Um, so we should, we should bring Ryan on, um, but I, I do want to say first... Um, I've been doing interviews for Undermine season four, which is starting on Monday. And it's going to be about the path, the road to 1997, the road to fall 97. And um, we did our first two interviews. I just just finished an interview with Amy Skelton. And we're talking about 25 key shows that Brian selected with some input but if you like them give the credit to him but also blame him if you don't um 25 shows from the 90s and then we're going to cover every show of fall 97 on undermine tom's the host brian benji and i are going to rotate co-hosts and then we're going to have an amazing guest who is at at the show we're talking about so you'll never guess which show amy skelton was talking to us about but you'll find out <laughs> next week um that was episode two. Episode one, we have an amazing guest as well. Someone who's very was very close to the band for a very long time. Also, next Sunday, September 25th, um, we are going to be at Nectar's. I don't know, Brian, have you heard of Nectar's? I feel like it's the type of place that you play and then like is immortalized. Like every yep. band should have a Nectar's. I think there's one band that has a Nectar's, but I don't know yeah. exactly. Can you connect the dots for me? It's it's the spot you go to before you start playing the front, you know? That's it. Okay. That, that's how it goes. 
Um, we're going to be doing a, a tribute celebrating the 25 years of Waterwheel. Uh, we're going to have interviews. We're going to have a bunch of music. We're going to have special guests. It's going to be, it's going to be incredible. I'm really excited about it. And um, you can uh, check out, just check out Nectars if, if you think you can make it up to Burlington or if you're in Burlington. We will figure out a way to get this content to everyone um, in real time, I think, or or after the event. So I just want to tell you about that. But um, should we bring Ryan in so we can start talking about summer 2022? Let's bring him in. Hi. Ryan Storm. Hey, Ryan. How are you? I'm fantastic. Very happy to be on. Thank you for having me. It's nice You're excited to, to have you back here. It's been a little while, but you were actually on a, a recent episode where there were a bunch of us and we were we were all we were all just so enthused that you know we had to continue the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> this is my first time in my new office too. I like it. I like it. It's my looking good. Backdrop. Thank you. Got some got some not only do you have some concert art back there, you have some podcast art as well. That's cool. Yes. Storm sound. Um, see this is that's amazing yeah. that's something that like we would we would never think about doing because because i don't i don't know that we're as smart as you ryan so thank you for <laughs> thank the you. idea maybe i need like a big hf pod logo behind me here Just put an aside like cover the whole wall behind you with the osiris logo all right i'm gonna do that right when we're or done with a this. picture a picture of your head and tom's head <laughs> that would be so strange. Um, all right. So we're going to get into this. We're going to talk about um, some themes and takeaways that we each have from Summer Tour. And then we're going to each recommend two shows from Summer Tour. Um, before we do that, I, I have to say that we are sponsored by Section 119. Uh, we have a lot going on with Section 119. They actually, I think it's okay for me to say that they're going to, they just put together some special merch for the water wheel 25th anniversary. I just saw the the final designs. They're going to be on sale. I think at the end of this week on the website, and then they'll be on sale throughout the fall and in person in Burlington. But anyway, they're the premier apparel brand where many fans shop to represent their favorite band in everyday life. I have a bunch of section 119 gear and I wear it often. Um, it's super comfortable. And, and I wore my, my new bolt hoodie on the plane out to, out to Oregon and back. And, and I got, I got some comments. I got some comments on it. Um, it's a good way to like, you know, say I'm a dead fan without, you know, without having like a, a tattoo on your arm or something, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, we love we love Section 119. And uh, if you go to section119.com, use the code SUMMER22 for a 20% discount on your next purchase. Um, you should you should check them out. Um, we have a lot more stuff cooking with them. But um, I think that's I think that's where I'll leave it. Um, you guys should check them out. They're amazing. They're huge fans, and, and they're doing a great job bringing bringing a lot of really comfortable and amazing clothing to the community. Okay, so Brian, what what do we need to know before we jump in? Because I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start talking about summer 2022. But uh, but what what do we need to know first? I think contextually, it's just important to note that um, you know. Whereas summer 2021 was defined and, and 2021 as a whole was defined by this kind of yearning that we all had after 18 months with no fish, 18 months for most of us with no concerts, the band came back and I think shocked a lot of fans throughout last summer. I think uh, the general consensus going into last summer was I don't really want to think critically about this. I just want to be happy the band is back. And then they came back and played a 33 minute version of tweezer sh four shows in. And that kind of defined where they were going, going forward. Um, beyond that, the fall tour, um, 
I'm going to get the hyperbole train going just right off the bat. I think the fall tour was their best tour since 1997. That followed immediately after an uh, absolutely incredible Trey survival tour. Obviously, Omicron strikes in winter. We lose the full New Year's Eve run. The band plays an isolated New Year's Eve show uh, that kind of felt more like a symbolic moment of those four guys rather than a concert. And then they come back in 2022. We've covered this uh, at length, but we get four shows in Mexico four shows for the faux New Year's Eve run and eight shows for spring tour, all leading up to the band playing a full summer tour. So we got this full slate, basically half a tour in the first half of 2022 that gave us an opportunity to kind of get a sense of what does 2021 feel like if you extend that sound a little bit more and hear the band starting to evolve. You know, I was prepared to disagree with everything that Brian was going to say on this podcast today, but I do uh, agree with his take there about fall 2021 being the best tour in like 25 years. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Even uh, like, even though it was like really exciting for me seeing three shows that were like amazing, like it's just an incredible tour. Um, and 2021 as a whole. Yeah. Your point about like, you know, coming back and just being happy that the band is playing again, like we're at concerts again. And yeah, they just absolutely, you know, exceeded expectations. Like we're so on it, you know, immediately. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, I saw a couple shows last, I mean, it's, it's an amazing tour. Amazing. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I, I have a, I have kind of a theme, um, that I want to introduce, but, but maybe I'll wait a little bit um, because it does relate to this, but I guess I'll just ask the question. Do you think that in 2022, they lost a little bit of the edge that 2021 had? Like you guys talked about coming out in 2021 and being aggressive and being, I think everyone was feeling a little bit on edge, which I think benefited the music benefited from that. Um, just kind of like not, not ever letting off, letting their foot off the gas. Um, do you guys see 2022 as, as different from that or um, possibly suffering from a lack of that? I would say that's the leading question. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> they, they definitely did lose a little bit of that edge, but I think that's normal for fish to do. I think they have a peak year like that. And we've seen many times where the next year they kind of take a step back. They evaluate where they are. They try to expand on it. So they're not just doing the same thing again this year, because I feel like they very well could have, but at this point in their career, they don't want to just sit on their laurels and do the same thing for multiple years in a row. They're looking for a new direction. And so, you know, you look at Mexico from the beginning of this year, and it's still an extension of 2021, pretty much. Like, it, th those shows could very easily fit into 2021. But then by the time you get to MSG and Spring Tour, you can see that it's kind of shifting a little bit. You still have some of that 2021 stuff, but then you know, you have that 2022 kind of show format style really coming up in spring tour where you have a show where there's like one big jam or one or two really big jams and the rest of the show, you know, isn't much to write home about. And I think that's a hallmark of, you know, you look at summer 2019 or summer 2018, similar kind of thing where they're kind of, um, you know, taking a step back, evaluating, trying to go in new directions. And maybe that results in, weird and lopsided set lists in a lot of cases, I would say, um, 
this year was better than summer 2019 2018 um by a wide margin i think the the improv that we got you know while there wasn't it wasn't as plentiful as last year still absolutely incredible the highs are just really really high yeah i mean i agree with a lot of that i think you have to like come at it from this sense of fish is constantly evolving. And that's like one of the hallmarks of listening to this band is whenever they reach a point that you're like, I love the sound that they're in. Most cases they're kind of thinking about what is next and how to push this forward into a different direction. Um, To me this year most reminds me of 1998 and 2018, two years that I think in hindsight are really strong and contain a lot of boundary pushing music and a lot of uh, exploration, but compared to the years prior, lose a little bit of the edge. Um, And you think about 1997 in the sense of a year that had so much risk-taking and so much kind of arrogance and this challenge of this band that said we're completely reshaping our sound and they found so much success within that reshaping of their sound 1998 you hear that sound kind of getting softened around the edges a little bit and the funk leads to ambient jamming that is not nearly as dynamic but when you listen to it with hindsight you can really hear the subtleties and you can hear where the band is going in 1999 and 2000 similarly the Baker's Dozen was such a massive risk for the band at the time from a structural standpoint, and it led to musical risk-taking where they decided we're gonna not going to repeat a single song. And so that leads to this kind of jamming revolution that happens throughout that summer, a real standout year in a lot of people's minds. When they come back in 2018, you still have the jamming, but the jamming gives way to a band that is introducing new songs and is trying to figure out other ways to be creative. I feel like last year they found so much in this very singular um, sound that was part of the Halloween gag. It was part of new gear that really impacted the band in a positive way. And the easy thing would have been to just come back in 2022 and say, we're just doing what worked then. Song placements don't matter. Jams happen wherever we want them to have them in really weird places. Some of which still still stay to a certain degree though. Yeah, some of that still stays, but they're trying new things out. And I think part of it, we'll get into it here. One of your themes, RJ, is the jam lengths kind of shrink a little bit. And we hear the band figuring out ways out of songs into another song rather than uh, extending a specific jam vehicle like we saw a lot throughout 2021 that, fair or not, tends to end up being what I think a lot of fans you know, really seek out when they listen to fish. What are your thoughts on all that, RJ? Do you agree? Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all, you know, I've noticed um, in a lot of these shows, Trey at the end of the show, always this summer always has been saying like, we love you guys so much. Thank you. I I feel like he is at the same place that I am, which is just, you know, I'm always going to be like so happy to go to a show and just like, I don't, when I'm there, I don't, I don't care what happens at all. But then when you look back at and listen to 20 or 25 shows, then you you start to like think about how it compares to other things and how it fits into the broader narrative. So I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I've heard from people who went to Dick's, like I've heard from several people that was the best 
that was the best fish I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I've heard from a lot of people like that was like pretty lackluster. So, you know, th this is all subjective, of course, as, as all, as all art is, but I, I, I think, well, I'll just talk about the first theme that you alluded to, Brian, because I'm, I think we got into this thing, Jonathan Hart started to talk, describing these sort of micro jams. I think that was like 2018, maybe. Um, and and that still happens a lot, right? There's ten minute jams that that contain a lot of ideas and a lot of a lot of variety and all that. Um, I was looking at the the stats, but I, because I think the length of the jams do matter somewhat. I think the I looked at the the jam chart, the twenty minute jam chart. Um, there were thirteen twenty minute jams in sixteen shows at the beginning of the year, so Mexico through spring, Deer Creek. And then there were 13 20 minute jams in 26 shows, which was like Great Woods through through Dix. Um, and no, no 20 minute jams at Dix. The closest was the 18 minute uh, You Enjoy Myself on night two. So, of course, this is like an arbitrary metric, but I think it does show like a willingness for, to really like be open and vulnerable and follow their muse and allow allow ideas to develop. Um, I was listening back to the the Deer Creek Sand, and <clears throat> there are several times in that where it just starts to starts to kind of dissolve. It's kind of like the the Dix 2012 show that we talked about um, with with Ryan a couple of weeks ago. Like there are, there are these jams where like things are about to stop, and they're in 12 minutes into this Deer Creek Sand, it could go into cross side. Like it's it's almost like a, a sure thing that it's going to cross side. Instead, they just like keep pushing it forward and, and more ideas develop and same thing with the down with disease from Bangor and the free from blossom. So I think, I think there was less of that just by these numbers in the summer tour than there was earlier in the year. I think coming off of that fall 2021, like Mexico and then MSG were kind of a continuation. And I guess that's, that's a theme that we have talked about, Brian, like that, that was a continuation of 2021 and maybe summer is, the, the beginning of 2022, you know, just in terms of how the sound has evolved. Well, on your point about the number of 2020 or 20 minute jams, I just, you know, did a quick look. What's interesting is that there were only 10 in all of 2019, uh, three of which were from Mexico. Um, so between summer and fall uh, 2019, there were seven 20 minute jams that got played. And even in 2018, there were only 12. So are we at like what? 26 this year did you say it's the math like yeah that's insane even even though summer tour proper had less than yeah. the spring you know you're kind of, relatively it looks like there's less but when you compare it to previous years it's a ton of 20 minute jams for one year yeah yeah which that's is crazy which is I, which is not something i realized i was looking expecting you know there to be more um yeah yeah i, I think i think that's fair I, but i do want to say Go ahead, Brian. Well, I was just going to say, I think part of the challenge, and I was thinking about this as we were preparing for this episode, I thought about this a lot throughout uh, the shows I was at as well, was if last year hadn't happened, would would I appreciate, like, would I be more blown away by the performance on stage? I think part of it is simply the challenge as a listener of what happened before. And I think, like, it's very hard to make a case that this year was not a, that this tour, that this year so far has not been a good year of fish. I think it's been a really good year of fish. I think the challenge is just like, 
absorbing that in the moment with how they played a year ago when you were shocked on a consistent basis by the way that the band was playing. And that's something I'll talk about here uh, shortly is, you know, this idea of going to see fish. Like part of the reason I think why so many people go to see fish is that shocking moment of like, holy crap, I've never seen that before. And I don't think we got a lot of that this year. I think part of what you're saying, RJ, from a length standpoint is, and I, I want to read something that a friend of mine sent as I was talking about this earlier today with uh, in a text thread is like the idea that when the band fully focuses and they push beyond, we could go into Crossside right now, or we could go into Prince Caspian right now. They may find nothing. And three minutes later, the jam may dissolve into a totally different song. But there's always that opportunity that they're going to find those last 18 minutes of the shoreline soul planet where music is being made that they have never written before that they've never played before. And they're playing for you live in the moment. And instead of that in the latter part of this year, especially throughout summer tour, rather than getting those moments, we got a really nice segue into another song that had a really nice shorter jam that created a really nice segue into another song. All of that's really cool but it doesn't lead to like the sort of shocking moments that we were getting in 2021 and early 2022. Right. right. And that, that, that's also was a common theme that we saw in 2019, you know, not as many right. longer jams. Instead, we're getting a micro jam with a segue. And actually this year has the most 20 minute jams in one year since 2003, which is kind of crazy to look at, you know, when we're discussing, you know, it feels like there's less. I wonder why it feels like there's so many less because it's by a significant margin and we still, you know, there's still assuming at least four shows left in the year. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's it, it, a crazy statistic to look at that this year, you know, not last year, not 2017, not 2015. Like it's this year that has the most since 20, since 2003. Kind of yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I just blame fish for creating like the greatest improvisational rock band of all time. And now we expect, right we expect it every, every time. I mean, it is about like, I think part of it is just that we're, it felt like from fall 2021 that there was like more, there's more room or there was more, there's going to be more like of that trajectory. So I think that's part of, part of it is just those expectations. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's a good point. And I don't know, there's, there's something, I, I think it's also like when you listen to like that, the sand from deer Creek or, or any of those like really long, you hear what it's like to create this thing that is really like novel, you know? Um, and I think, I mean, you could argue that all the improv that they do is, is novel, but I think there's something like very unique about those, those long jams there. The 20 minute thing is of course very arbitrary, but, but it, that's like, that's the, the bar but that we have. We, yeah. It's, we, it's very valued in the community. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I do also think last year the 15 to 19 minute jams, I think were a lot, there were a lot more notable ones and a lot stronger ones. Like the San Francisco Carini is 19. So that one doesn't hit the 20 minute threshold, but it's one of the best jams of last year. I'd like to pick up on that yeah. point and carry that because I think that's, that, that speaks to a lot of what we have in our larger doc. And it speaks to something I was wondering throughout the year I saw a lot of 
really good 15 to 19 minute jams in the seven shows that I saw through Alpine and Dick's. But I wonder either in the moment or listening back, what was missing from them? Because there are a lot of like 15 to 19 minute jams I listened to from 2021, the Carini, the Hershey Ruby waves, um, Sigma Oasis from Dix, the Chula Piper, um, that like contained so many ideas in such a short amount of time that I was like literally just awestruck, both either in attendance or listening back. And I feel in a sense like so much of where Fish's sound is right now and Fish's jamming style is rooted in when does Trey go to the Jedi pedal and when does Trey go to like the synth pedal and that sound that he comes with, which in 2021 felt like a defining aspect, similar to like when he would go to the wah pedal in 1997. Um, And now it feels in a sense, like, I don't want to say like, we've already been here before. Like, why are you still doing this? Cause like, they're obviously still interested in this sound, but it doesn't feel like it's changing the dynamic of a jam. It feels as though it's like leading them down a pathway that they've already walked down before. And so they're in this strange place of like, and this is my interpretation. They're in the strange place of the music isn't as cutting edge. It's still really good, but they kind of have to reside in a territory where things are cutting edge for it to be like as good as it can possibly be. And when they're not, when they're kind of just going back towards like a well-worn path, they either need a break or they need like to just cut bait and do something completely different. And I feel like their cut bait and do something completely different was, well, let's just segue into a new song and see what we find there. And throughout the tour, like they kept going back to that synth pedal sound. That's great. But like is ultimately a sound kind of rooted in last year. Yeah, well, we talked about in the spring, I think on one of the Orange Beach recaps, you know, we talked about, is that a crush? And no, I think in the spring, I don't think it was. Is it now? Maybe. But also, it's not the first time Trey has had a pedal as like sort of a crutch or something he just goes to when he wants to kind of extend the jam. You know, we had the wah pedal in 97. We had the whale call in early 3.0. We had delay for, you know, a number of years where he would just hit that. So it's going to take time for him to find his next idea, but that that's so like it, it, it shifts, it shifts a jam very aggressively when he hits that pedal. Um, and so I think that's still something he knows he can go to whenever he wants to like move it somewhere, or get it going in the next direction. You know, I think Paige is also trying to explore some different sounds on his synths without using the exact same sounds that he was using last year, you know, listening to his synth playing from 2019, to 2021 is incredibly different, but last year to this year, is there that much of a difference in their sonic palette? And I think that's something that maybe they're struggling with a little bit now, trying to find what the next step is with their current gear. Well, so I want to follow up on that, Ryan, because I have another like point to bring up, but one of our listeners or or viewers, um, Savage1005, which is probably his real name, his or her real name, He mentions listening and I just, he or she, sorry, they, um, do you, you're a musician. Do you think it's about like communication 
like when you see the difference between a like a Deer Creek sand and like a you know a, a nine minute jam that kind of goes into something else. Like, do you think do you, how how big of a role do you think communication plays in that? I mean, obviously, it's a it's a huge role and a huge part of this. And I actually think why people may be feeling that is because Trey's playing this year has kind of sneakily been really really strong, despite the fact that you know, maybe jams aren't going as long as people would want all the time and weird set list calls, whatever. For the most part, what I've heard, Trey has really been on it. Like, you know, in the spring at Dick's, I was just like kind of blown away by how strong and assertive his playing was. And something like the Dick's wave of hope is nine minutes, but it's just like Trey going absolutely nuts for nine minutes. Like, so maybe, you know, coming off of the last number of years where Trey's playing, you know, last year, obviously being the exception, but you know, sort of like 2016 to 2019, where maybe Trey's playing wasn't the strongest. So maybe he was hanging back a little bit more. You know, he's been a lot more out front this year, I think. Then again, we have this kind of lens over last year where it's like, oh, it's 2021, first year after the pandemic, whatever. I think it will be viewed differently, not in a negative way, but people will notice things like that. Um, about 2021, you know, in a couple of years when you have more distance um, from that time. But I think, you know, we're not used to modern era trade being this assertive and this strong in his playing, I don't think. So that's kind of I agree. to some people. Yeah, I agree. I think especially the summer. Like it feels like between the spring and summer, he's like mm-hmm. a lot more um, aggressive playing, which I think is great, especially live. Like when you're when you're there, it's just like – why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want that? Um, it's amazing. Um, Brian, were you going to say something? Sorry. I know. I mean, I think I would just, just to add to that. Um, I think that that adds an aspect of this year that if we get away from the idea of jam lengths, it gets us into things like the creativity in say Golgi apparatuses uh, throughout the year. That was one of my kind of standout moments when, you know, they're just, extending the song by i don't know 30 seconds but they're adding something to a song that has been as standard of a fish song as you could possibly get for the majority of their career i don't say standard as an insult just like when you hear golgi you know what you're going to get and for the first time ever you're hearing them expand on that i don't think that that's happening if trey isn't feeling as confident as he sounded uh as he sounded throughout the entire year i think you mentioned the wave of hope. I think the Piper from Dix was a really great example of this, of just moments where I think the God is from Alpine Valley moments that like don't totally stand out as you're putting that on your year end pedestal of like, this is one of the greatest moments of 2022, but they're like the little moments that make up the year and and define what it is. So I I definitely agree with that. Um, Yeah. And things like, I I don't know if I've mentioned this on a podcast or just talking to people outside of things, but I think the band also this year, you know, part of weird songs getting jammed out is them again, not wanting to stagnate. They're like, well, what happens if we throw a jam in sample regularly? Like, is that going to push us to a different place than we get when we jam out a tweezer every time or something like at blossom when they jammed out the ending of free instead of the middle. It's like, well, what happens if we just extend there? Like, that's something we've never done before. And so that's a really unique thing about this here. You mentioned, like, obviously that jam is going to be on people's pedestals. But the fact that it's the end and not the middle, I feel like that's not, you know, at the the forefront of everyone's mind. Like, that's a 
really interesting thing. And, you know, we we're finally seeing ACDC bags slowly starting to do something again, you know, a couple of times this summer and gumbo, you know, it was 10 minutes once and could it could, and you know, and Hallie's is getting jammed out on a fairly regular basis at this point. Like, they're, they're trying new things, whether it's they're looking back 25 years and being like, oh, you know, we used to play a 25-minute gumbo. You know, like, why why did we ever stop doing that? Or they're just, you know, because Trey doesn't seem to remember anything they did in the past. Um, if he's just like, what happens if we jam this out? You know, because something like the Blossom Free was very clearly planned at set break or before the show. Like, they, they all did it at the same time. It wasn't like a Trey keeps going or, you know. So it's, it's and, interesting to yeah. look at it from that perspective. And the you enjoy myself after the vocal jam and jammed out Fluffhead and like those yeah. things that you're not expecting. That's like a real, a real amazing uh, leap forward in this, this year. I think it's just, it's incredible. Can I ask a question based on, I have information on the doc here that our listeners and viewers don't have. And I want to utilize this to ask a question. Um, <laughs> Ryan, you're making a very astute point here around taking old songs that the band has played similarly for so many years and adding something new to them. Um, RJ, do you think that the lack of new material had anything to do with your feelings around this overall tour? Or do you think that that was replicated by the fact that they're taking old songs and figuring out new ways to play them? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a good, that's a good way to explain it, I think, um, what you just said. I I think especially for Trey, like we've seen in the years where we see big leaps forward, there's typically new material. And I don't have like all the statistics in front of me, but even just like thinking about when Blazon or No Men or Mercury or um, any of these songs that were introduced in the past, you know, six or seven years, like those, they just provide new palettes for them to, mm. to play around, you know? And I, I just think that's like something that we see these leaps forward when there is new material. And I think it motivates, I mean, it clearly motivates Trey. He's always creating new material. And we basically got no new material this summer, which I think is um, pretty amazing to me. I know that, that Tom and Trey have been writing, you know, not, not as often as, they would have liked probably, but you know, there is new material in the works, I'm sure. But, but just to see the, the fact that there's, I don't know, like the, the summer 2015, which is different because there was fairly well and there was a lot of other stuff in there, but you know, when no men and Blazon and all, all kinds of other songs, Mercury and others debuted. And then, you know, you see these amazing jams that don't necessarily happen in those songs, but I think they, they help push, push the whole thing forward. So the lack of that is just really surprising to me. Interesting. Cause you know, you look at a year like 2019, which has them introducing Casper Vox and Ghost of the forest. I feel like that that was too much. Like, you know, you look at the set list, like they're just absolutely inundated with those songs. Like they're everywhere in weird spots. Like they're trying to figure it out. And this year, you know, they've been kind of slowly and weirdly incorporating some sci-fi soldier songs into the set list. Like not all of them, you know, the howling has been played way more times than the rest. And so I feel like, like there is a little bit of new material, but like last year there wasn't, there was, you know, a handful of songs from Trey's, uh, from Lonely Trip. Um, and that was right. So I don't know if the lack of new material is a, a drawback of this year. I feel like, you know, 
there is some, and I feel like I was definitely a little bit worried after seeing what happened in 2019 about like, oh, are these sci-fi soldier songs going to pop up in the middle of the second set and be five minutes long? Um, you know, so I feel the material debate can kind of go either way. Um, you know, you have that example like 2015 where they have these really strong to debut and then, oh, did I cut out for a sec? We can hear back. Okay. Um, you know, 2015, you have these really strong songs that debut. In 2019, you have some that maybe aren't as strong. So, depends. Yeah, I do think at this point, though, you have to treat 2021 as just like its own thing. Yeah, its own category. Yeah. Kind of like separate it. Um, We're back in 3.0 now. Yeah, <laughs> 4. exactly. 4.0 was 2021. Yeah, but no, it's a good point. It's a good point. And 2019 was like there was you know, about to run. And there were some, there were some, some songs that were introduced into the catalog from, from Ghost of the Forest, of course. And I think that pushed it forward, but, but there was also, yeah, it was, it was a lot. Um, so I don't know, maybe writing 2021 and then like, you know, just based on wanting to be back out there and getting the hang of it again. Um, maybe that's different. I don't know. Brian, what do you think about all that? Can I propose something like deeply controversial? Oh, please i guess Thank so you. <laughs> i think that they need to do um what they did in the start at the start of 1997 and call a bunch of songs and basically say these 40 songs are just not in the rotation for the foreseeable future and honestly i would say a lot of those songs should be old classics because I think the challenge that the band has put themselves in, and, and it, this is a good thing, but I think the challenge they've put themselves in is, you know, the early part of 3.0, there's six new songs debuted. I don't know. There's the Joy songs, and then there's nothing, you know, really debuted. They play My Dr. Problem Gable. Right There, Dr. Gable, like three <laughs> times. Um, they debut Steam in 2011. I believe that it's the only new yeah. song debuted in 2011. Um and then 2013, we get this, you know, awakening where the wingsuit show happens. Obviously, everybody complains or some people complain. But, you know, we get suddenly 12 new Fish songs and we get a new Fish album. And then next year for Halloween, we get 10 new Fish songs. And then we get all the songs in early 2015. And then we get Big Boat songs. And then even when they're about to do the baker's dozen they debut four or five new songs some of which have become classics 2018 we get um uh 2019 we get ghost of the forest and casual box songs being interspersed and then 2021 and 2022 we get these new songs we've gotten like i don't know a hundred new songs in 10 years but like fish's actual performances compared to where they were at in the nineties when we got a ton of new songs throughout that period in time, mm-hmm. uh, has shrunk. We get like 40 shows a year. So we're in this very weird place where like every show seems to need to have some classic songs to anchor itself down, but then it needs space for new songs. And those new songs, when they find a pathway out of them, thinking everything's right, set your soul free soul planet, those start to dominate set lists. But you have, you know, songs like Mole that is debuted, has great performances, but was played maybe two or three times throughout the summer tour, if you include the spring. 
you get a song like halfway to the moon that has like a jamming moment this summer, but like even that song, I don't have the stats right in front of me. I could look it up, but like, I think it has under 60 performances all time. And it debuted back in 2010. Like a lot of these songs are still in the places where fish songs were at one or two years after their debut back in the 1990s. And obviously the band's not going to play more shows, but to me, like I had a great time on Friday night at Dick's. It's one of my favorite shows I've ever been in attendance for. The rain was awesome. We got to hang out in our seats. There was a naked dude. There was like what looked like a, 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 a couple coming together midway through the field with lightning all around us. And then the band came out and played like a two hour heavy hits killer show. But like, I don't think I'll ever go back and listen to it because it won't be able to be recreated in the moment. And there's better versions of Carini, You Enjoy Myself, Ghost, Tweezer, yeah. elsewhere. To me, the most interesting things I heard throughout the summer, both in attendance and not, were new songs and were moments where the band was saying, here's set your soul free deep in the second set at Bethel. And it's going to be one of the wildest gems that we've ever played off. Of it. Here is, um, don't doubt me in the second set at Dick's night one. And we're going to take a jam out of it. Um, I don't know to me, like they, the new songs are where the excitement is at and they should yeah. trim away some of the fat and just focus on that. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, looking at my current top 10 jams of the year, I have three set your soul freeze and one wave of hope and then a no man. So like only half my list are songs debuted before 2015, which yeah. is interesting there. Like, yeah, it, it, the, the, the new song point is interesting and halfway to the moon. I looked as 48 plays since 2010 which yeah interesting i do think though the drawback to calling a bunch of songs you know it, it worked well in 1997 i don't know if trey could handle doing that at this point i think he's just so excited all the time that he would just like then, okay we're not going to play tweezer until what, next year then he'd play it like two shows later because he's like oh, i want to play tweezer whatever i don't care um well so, and and then also you might end up with something like 1996 where the Billy Breeze songs are just everywhere and like, you know, in, in places that they really shouldn't be in the shows. And so do you want to risk that versus a 1997 thing? So one thing that um, I got to, I think one thing, Brian, one trade-off that you didn't mention, but it's part of what you're describing is that they are, they're also trying to um, play some of the, these classic songs really well, which is awesome. But true, you know, executing Fluffhead like perfectly note for note, which happened a couple times this year, like that takes a lot of time and concentration. And and, and you know, dropping into Yem in the middle of a jam, yeah, yeah, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw like I think this year was the best played in terms of like their actual compositional playing in in a long time. And so I think that's a trade off though, because you can't do everything. You can't be right doing what you guys are describing, which is one of my favorite things, like everything's right is like the the best representation to me of like where this band is right now, just because it like, it's going to go out there. The lyrics are good. The tempo is right. It's got this, like, it's a great template for a jam. Um, but if they're also trying to like, you know, let's make sure that we, that we play this punch you in the eye note for note, like it's going to, something else has to give, you know? Um, totally. So 
Yeah. Did we did we touch on everybody's themes? Because we have to we have to get into our recommended shows. Yes. I think so. Without like outwardly identifying them, I think we got to all of our themes here. <laughs> I think the um, only thing that we need to say is as as just to give her a shout out, as Megan described this this year, space funk segues and jams made of deconstructing melodies. I think that there's a lot to that. I think that if you listen back to this year, there's a lot of, I think it's all embodied in a very specific second set, which I think we will talk about here when we recommend shows, but there's a lot of space funk. There's a lot of great segues and there's jams in with deconstructing melodies where they find an idea and then they figure out a way to, to deconstruct. And that, that to me is like the best part of this year. I really like this year. I think someone's going to yell at me that I was too critical, which is the opposite of what people usually say. So I guess that can be fine. But yeah, there's, there's so much to that. go back to. I was thinking about that a few minutes ago. We've been way too critical on this year so far in this discussion. I just want to say that I absolutely loved uh, this year so far and the jams that we've gotten out of it. Like some of my favorite, you know, fish I've heard in a while. Like, you know, we'll talk about it in the show recommendations, but some of the stuff from this summer is just ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's get, we do need a cheese analogy. A cheese analogy? I think that I would describe this year as a Munster cheese. It's not going to be like the cheese that everybody reaches for. Someone's going to say, Hey, you can put this on your sandwich. You're going to be like, but then it's going to go on your sandwich or it's going to go on your cheeseburger. And you're going to be really satisfied. And that's how I feel about a lot of this year. I was really satisfied without being blown away. Okay, so Brian, before we get into this, um, before, that was actually did you have like did as, you have that prepared? Like what? I wish I could have stole stole Scott Ricard's joke. That would be really good. Uh, um, Brian, can you tell us before we get into our show recommendations about Sunset Lake CBD? I absolutely, absolutely can. Uh, you know that we are sponsored and we love our friends over at Sunset Lake CBD. Their line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead like Ryan Storm or the young fish fan like RJB who's searching for a metal mellow body hive. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia or the anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there is something for everyone. Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show and Cherry Abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. And even better, Sunset Lake's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping it directly from their farm to your door. Look, all I'm going to say is second sets would start at Dick's, and I would light up a joint of the Hawaiian Haze, and I would pass it to my wife, and she would pass it to me, and I'd pass it to my friend Sam, and he would take it and then he would pass it to someone next to him and they would take it and he would say, Hey, it's CBD. And they'd be like, Oh, I'm okay. And we'd be like, you know what? We're in our own little happiness bubble over here. I don't have any anxiety. I don't have any paranoia. I'm just floating right now. I feel so good. And I'd explain this to them. And then they'd say, okay, can I have it? Wow, so you stop talking to me. And they would, and they would have some, and they'd be like, look, I have no anxiety. I have no paranoia and fish is on stage and everything is good. So, Share it with your concert pals. Check them out today, sunsetlakecbd.com, and use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Again, that's Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. 
I really don't think I've ever heard anyone sell Sunset or sell anything the way that you guys sell Sunset Lake. So this is, it's impressive. See, that's a te- that's a testimonial right there. I hope the Sunset Lake folks are listening. <laughs> what do they say? Sell um, what you're passionate about, and you'll never sell a thing in your life. Sunset Lake is true. just everything to us. We love it. That's true. That that applies to that's a that's a good lesson. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna turn the turn it around here, and we're gonna be effusive in our in our praise of of 2022 summer by talking about a couple shows. Um, should we save Megan's for the end? Yeah, let's keep hers to yeah. the end because. She she stole the best spots. I know, yeah. right? I I went and I I looked at what she had chosen. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I wanted that. <laughs> um. Okay. So, Brian, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um. I have two very different shows. Um. One of which I think is the second strongest show of the overall tour. And the other of which I think is just like the defining reasons for why I love this tour. Um, even, even in spite of me being slightly critical at times, uh, Bethel night two is my first one, seven twenty three. I think this is a outstanding show. The first set is a ton of fun. You've got a great undermine jam. You've got a great ghost jam to close things out. Uh, evening song opens the show. One of my favorite new songs that the band debuted in late 2019. Um, Set Your Soul Free, as Ryan was discussing, I think is uh, one of the absolute best jams, if not the best jam of the overall year, and a really, really classic encore. Uh, And then the other show I have is Alpine Valley Night 2. This is probably more so attendance bias than anything, but this is one of my favorite shows I've ever attended. The weather was perfect. There was like a Midwestern chill. It started raining midway through the first set. They played Petrichor, opened up with 1999 into Fluffhead, really cool leaves jam into Get Back on the Train, uh, backwards on the number line with jam at the end of that. Uh, great, great Mr. Completely. And this mm-hmm. really interesting end to the show that on paper looks like such a boring walk through the end of the show but when you listen to it there's so much in these songs and i have no idea what made them choose these songs to close out the show but however they did it and what the music that they injected into songs like undermine about to run uh blaze on towards the end of the show it just it somehow worked and uh i love these two shows both from experience as well as from listening from afar I went to night one of Alpine with with you, Brian, and um, I was I was a little bit I was a little bit sad that I didn't see night two instead. Like if I had been able to magically switch those two, the the nineteen ninety nine Fluffhead, what an amazing start! And then this Petrichor, I thought was great. The whole thing was just a really really good show. Um, I yeah. I think I said this on the recap or maybe on a, another episode. The Bethel Night Two is is a, a show that I think will stand the test of time. I'm not like I'm not that into these like the tease fest sets, you know, unless it's Tweezer. <laughs> That's the one exception. And I know you're fact, about I'll to just, contradict yourself. <laughs> I'll just say I'll I'll recommend Man Night One for that exact reason. But um, I don't know, like these, there's a lot to choose from, like you said before, Ryan. I mean. There's some amazing, amazing sets in this this tour. Um, the first, both nights of the man, I really enjoyed. But um, the first night of the man, more into Tweezer to open the second set is just 
for me, that's 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 all I need. Um, but Haley's comet jammed out in the first set. There's there's some great great stuff there. But Tweezer Cities Tweezer passing through Isabella Tweezer Mercury Piper Tweezer 2001 Character Zero is just what a fun fun amazing night. Um, yeah. I also I also think MPP Night Two is another one. I had a great time. Both both of these were shows I was at. Um, surprisingly, another Tweezer set. Um, but I thought from the beginning, like the Wave of Hope opener was really strong, and I got to I had great seats that night. I just I thought that show was was really good, and I think that's I think both the shows I mentioned are slightly underrated, um, more so Meriwether Night Two than than uh, than Philly Night One. But those are my two. Um, Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, I have so the third night of Atlantic City. This may be a little bit of bias on my part because it was one of two shows that I was able to webcast um, this summer, thanks to a very well-timed day off from camp on this Sunday night. Um, shout out to my amazing girlfriend who sat and watched me webcast this show while we were on a day off together. Um, but uh, I really, really love this really strong tube in the first set. You know, the first set was just really, really great overall. Still no jam out of Mercury for some reason. I don't know why they've been doing that this year, but I'm not. You're expecting it for sure. Expecting I, I, it for I'm, sure. I'm not a fan of this removal of the jam. It's so good. <laughs> like, it's, it's a waste. But that aside, great first set, you know, very well executed fluff head. Um, and this Carini that closes the first set, it is so short. But, like, Trey during this jam is just, you know, as I said, confident this year, like, kind of like the Dick's Wave of Hope. It's just like eight or nine minutes of Trey just absolutely destroying everything in his path. And I listened to it again earlier today and Oh my God, like if you haven't gone back to this Carini in a while, you know, spend 10 minutes, listen to it. It's really crazy. Good. Then classic Mike's groove to open the second set. And then this wave of hope Yem segment here, like late second set. It feels like almost at this point, but like this wave of hope is phenomenal as it was whenever jammed this year, you know, then, they, as I said before, they pivot into Yem mid-jam. How do yep. you do that? <laughs> That's like... It was amazing. How do you do that? And then, you know, this Yem jam kind of picks up right where Wave of Hope left off uh, in the second jam. Just triumphant. Amazing. So it just, you know, and then the rest of the show was Susie waiting. First two. But, like, really, really underrated show, I think, uh, yeah. this summer in this one. I think you're right. That was my wife. My wife and I saw, I think, four or five shows together this summer, and that was definitely her favorite segment of the whole summer, I think, was that wave of hope. You enjoy myself. I mean, it's like 45 minutes almost. And it's, yeah. yeah, it was very powerful and really fun. And um, yeah, really, those are that's a great, great pick for yeah. sure. And then my other pick is Hartford, um, which, you know, Yes, it suffers a little bit from there not really being much substance outside of the Sigma Wave of Hope song I heard the ocean sing Blaze On. But the strength of those jams alone make it one of the best shows of the year. Like that that Sigma is phenomenal. The Wave of Hope is, you know, I think it's in my it's my second or third favorite jam of the year right now. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and then that song I heard the ocean sing goes to so many different unique places. I think that song's really underutilized as a jam vehicle most of the time. Um, we've had a couple of really strong versions this year. That one, Mexico, uh, come to mind. 
And then that blaze off just a really, really nice follow-up to it as well. But really incredibly strong segment there, um, you know, that I revisit all the time. That segment is, I think, as close as the band got to hitting what made 2021 so special in yeah. that that wave of hope around 15 minutes reaches this very Brian Eno MSG tweezer type of space that it's just kind of lingering. It's gorgeous music. It's kind of spacious. It's really mysterious. Um, and then it continues on for another six or seven minutes. And there's a ton of really cool exploration. As you noted, the song I heard the ocean sing, it's like a sneaky 19 minutes. Like it's, yeah. You don't like you go back and listen to it. And you're like, oh my god! Like, there's so much happening here. And then the blaze on is 13 minutes, and it goes into this very subdued, just a ton of uh, diverse and unique jamming in there. I think that 45 minutes or so that that may be the peak of the year for me. But we do need to give the nod to our fallen pitcher. She'll be back for the NLCS. We know this. Um, RJ, do you want to have the honors of reading Megan's not two well, picks? Just, she didn't. Yeah. She didn't follow the rules. She said she said she did three picks. That's I'll, why she, I'll, did. she broke the rules and then didn't show up. And so then she just, didn't you know, get in trouble for breaking the rules. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the first, well, one of the three that she that she recommended was Raleigh, which I got to see with Megan, and it was it was that was a great show um the the rise come together of course to end the the first set but yeah steam stash steam in the first set was really fun and i, I got to, my friend i took was with me um we met up with megan but um i was with my friend jim who'd seen two fish shows before this so i was kind of explaining to him what was going on and during the steam stash steam i was like this is not this is not normal um <laughs> and really cool you know and then the rise well, how come do you together. explain the rise come together I mean, I think right after the verse, the like last verse ended, it was like, this is, this is going to be, this is going to be wild. You know, what, like, you what, what did you say was... to him when the song started versus when the jam started? I said, I said, a lot of people are going to be pissed about this song. And, <laughs> I, and I, and then I thought they would close with like antelope or something, you know? Um, but you know, the second set of this is, I think a good example of the, the, the counter argument that I made earlier. Like you have the Carini, which is 16 minutes. Ruby Waves is 13 minutes, and then Sea of Stars, and then an 11-minute Piper, pretty short light, and then Shine a Light, and then a four-song encore, which was just, it, I think it was just really a fun, fun night, but also I think the show holds up um, if you're listening, for sure. Um, okay, so the other one is AC Night 1. I think I think AC Night 1 is probably, do you think it's like pretty unanimously up in the top three of, of, 100%. The, of the tour? Um, that's the one I, show yeah. that I didn't see, which is which is great. Um, but really, <laughs> don't go to the show that RJ is going to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically, um, AC Night One is there. There's a lot. There's a lot to it. But I mean, I think another another monster Sigma Oasis jam, another like Big Down with Disease, Ruby Waves, and the Ghost Hood to close. It's a it's a it's solid solid all the way around. Yeah, that was a show that I think similar to what I was saying with the Hartford, the opening part of the second set, the Atlantic City night one was the closest thing to, okay, we are at a top tier, like echelon moment of of, of the summer tour where everything is kind of connecting around set list, jamming, the flow of the overall show. Um, 
close friend of mine was there and just kept texting throughout the whole show. Whoa. Like wouldn't say anything else. Just like every couple of minutes, just like texted. Whoa. And I was on my couch and I was like, I feel you, man. Like the, the way that the lights were going during the disease, um, there was so much there. And that second set, you get two massive new songs, soul planet, Ruby waves around disease ghost and hood like that is the perfect yeah. mix of new and old to really inspire the band well megan's last pick is the is the one show that brian said he's probably not going to listen back to which is <laughs> second, second night of dicks Great um, show. and it is it's a it's an interesting i mean like you said brian being there i'm sure was i had a big argument with with a couple friends on via text message where i was like <laughs> they were like that was the best that was the best set of fish in a long time. And I, I tried to explain that I hadn't, I hadn't listened to it because I was in the woods in New Hampshire. But my point was like, <laughs> if you look at it on paper, especially with like the song timings, you might be like, okay, that's like sort of like a Fenway sort of thing, you know, where you, you get one long set and they kind of like play a bunch of songs. But listening back to it, there is a lot. I mean, the the Karini You Enjoy Myself combo at the beginning is just, it's, it hits really hard. And um, Brian, the way you described being there it seems like it was a ton of fun the tweezers great um and there's a lot there's a lot going on there that i think the set list doesn't reflect so i feel like some of our biases or mine at least about some of the numbers that we talked about earlier are are proven wrong when you you know when you when you go back and listen to some of these shows but um it seems like that was a pretty special special show to be at it was great being there i think they to come out and say pretty much all of our big songs are going to be played tonight in one long set was the right move yeah. to make. Um, I think they've learned a lot about how to play these single set shows. And that was, I think the peak of it to this point in time, but um, yeah, I mean, sitting at home on the couch versus being there. Like, I think you would have had a great time watching that live no matter what. So guys, we did a, we did a good run through. I feel like, like you said, Ryan, maybe we were a little too critical at the beginning, but, but that's why we're here to to bring our bring our honest opinions to uh, to to this to this forum. Um, but I can't wait to see fish again. That's my main conclusion. Um, Me too. I do, Ryan, I did want to ask yeah, one more question for us. If you guys have you know a couple of jams that were outside any of the shows we just talked about from the summer, so from like kind of an overlooked show, um, just you know, one or two jams from any shows this summer that we did not just talk about in our favorite picks. Like what would you guys um, go for? I think we have not mentioned night one of Jones beach and that has the leaves that I think yeah. is one of the best performances of the entire summer. Um, yeah. And I would say also we haven't mentioned, and I don't think the fan base has mentioned at all since it happened, the Toronto show, um, and the theme from the bottom in set one and the sample into disease in set two, um, I, I, maybe it was coming off of the AC weekend and the one show midweek before we move into Alpine and we could sense the beginning of the end of the tour, uh, whatever it may have been, people I think overlooked that show, myself included. And um, I would I would go back and listen to to those segments from Toronto as well as from Jones Beach. What about you, RJ? Um, I think the, the Bangor down with disease is like quite an adventure. Um, yeah, we haven't I talked is, about it today somehow. Yeah, it's <laughs> really just incredible. Um, and then a show that I was at the the first night of Alpine, the Mumba Dance 
was um oh, it yeah. was just it was so it was so fun and and unexpected even though moma dance is jam but it just like at that point in the show to go to go in that direction was uh was was pretty pretty awesome um i think like a late late first set really long moma dance is not not what i was expecting going into that show um ryan do you have do you have some yeah for me it's that it's that jones beach leaves uh, you know, Brian mentioned like that. Definitely one of my favorite jams of the year. I never needed you like this before. Also, you know, before that, you know, great jam. Um, you know, we didn't. We kind of touched on the Blossom Free a little bit. That one, um, you know, the Banger Disease. Like, you know, these are these are crazy jams that maybe popped up in shows that aren't as uh, high profile, say. Um, but yeah, like you know, everywhere you look this summer, you're gonna find really good jams whether whether there's a show where yeah nothing really went over like 13 or 14 minutes those shorter ones are still going to have a lot you know to dig into i think you know we we automatically gravitate towards like oh a 25 minute jam but you know as we've mentioned there's so much packed into these shorter ones as well that you know we shouldn't be overlooking yeah for sure yeah, and I, I should have. I, I mean, I, I think the I should maybe caveat in my first theme about the length of jams by saying like, this is why people are saying what they're saying about the tour. You know that that's that's where that stuff comes through, and I do think it it translates pretty directly to like what you hear people saying about about these shows. Um, all right, Ryan, will you come back and can join us again soon? Absolutely, I'd love to. All right. When before we go, we want to tell you um, we do we do have a campaign going. We're we're just trying to spread the word about fans for racial equity, who I think everyone knows about at this point. They're seeking to build yeah. an anti-racist live music scene and promoting liberation through racial equity in the world, by activating the collective power of our community. Um, it's really uh, it's fansforracialequity.org. Fans with a PH, of course. Um, you can get involved in in free education, outreach, community partnership programs. They're great. A bunch of my friends volunteer for them, and I think they're they're awesome. So if you don't know about free, you should check them out. They do um, have a table at most shows as well. Yeah, um, yeah, they do. They do. And maybe maybe if Fish plays another show, they will be they will be there. Maybe we'll be there too. Who knows? Who knows if Fish will play another show? You know? Who knows? Let's hope because I would really I would really like to. Uh, I need an announcement. I would really like to go see fish again. A couple all. more weeks and I'm booking a hotel in Cincinnati for me. <laughs> <laughs> the threat That's is out. Threat. Threat. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you guys. Thank, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Ryan. And thanks to everyone for tuning in on, uh, you know, listening or viewing. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank and we'll see you guys me. soon. Thanks, thanks Ryan.
Osiris. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. Got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast.